The show is here. Yo, our mission is clear. It's time to change healthcare. Have no fear. Today is the day. This is the hour. Together, you know we've got the power. Drop the silos. We're all the same team. Patients, docs, nurses, tech, and marketing. How can anyone be satisfied with the way things have always been? Yeah, we've tried. So join us now. Join the revolution. Digital health is the evolution. Status quo, more like status, no. Yeah, this is the healthcare rap. Y'all, come on, let's go. Welcome to the healthcare rap, where we are ushering in the future of healthcare and the status quo no longer exists where we are challenging assumptions about marketing and technology, and we check yesterday's thinking at the door. Where truth drops like an atom bomb, and knowledge flows like Niagara Falls. Each week we challenge assumptions that have been holding back healthcare marketing, and explain how we can do better. Join us. This is the Healthcare Wrap. Welcome back. I'm your host, Jared Johnson, ready to share some more provocative thinking for healthcare innovators and digital teams. Here on the Healthcare App, we believe that the healthcare experience has to change and we're trying to do something about it. We can either stand back and let it take another 50 years or we can jump in right now. And I think you know how we roll. We're not going to coast to neutral. We're hitting the gas. Come be a part of it. Each week, we talk about the topics that you need to know about and act on to be part of the digital transformation movement. We share tips on shifting the way that healthcare is experienced digitally and the backstage strategies for marketing, operations, and digital teams to drop the silos and stay ahead of the curve. This is episode number 156. We're now in season five, which is our quest to answer whether it's even possible to provide the healthcare experience that consumers desire. So here's what's going to go down today. We have the flavor of the week about the difference between branding and brand engagement. All the work you do for your brand identity is great. Now, how do you get anyone to care about it? I'll talk about that. Then Zane and I host a discussion about aligning marketing data around the patient. We're joined by Jackie Martin, who shares some provocative thinking about aligning stakeholders and seeing the big picture. It's time to dive right in. You ready? Let's go. Flavor of the week. Brand engagement is different than what you might typically think of as branding. Brand engagement is how you get people to care about your brand, and most of it happens online now. You have a shiny new logo? Cool. You polished up your positioning statement? Congrats. How are you going to get anyone to care about it? We talk a lot about touch points, journeys, and experiences. The point is that brand engagement is a series that's a result of a continual effort to get people to care about you. It's rarely just a single encounter, and it never stops. If we see brand engagement as the sum of these touch points and the destination of our journey, we start to better understand the need to level up and stand out above the noise. Think of brand engagement as building on the foundation that your branding creates. You still have to start with the basics before your brand engagement can mean anything. Examples of traditional branding include logos, taglines, and positioning statements. It also includes websites and graphics and value statements. Examples of brand engagement, on the other hand, include your response to a customer review online, a series of weekly Instagram Lives where a thought leader from your organization answers questions from viewers. It's a clubhouse room. It's the number of steps it took to log on to a virtual care visit. It's how hard it was to find pricing information for any of your services. The question is, what are you building on that foundation? A house of cards? Operations is part of the challenge. I still see too many healthcare brands addressing brand engagement in silos. But we should be managing results, not platforms. Yes, it's a challenge because so many vendors and teams own different parts. Alignment is key. 
Advertising taught us to rely on a single trafficked piece of creative to create the change or lead to the sell. But we can't advertise our way into people's hearts without brand engagement. Maybe we could if we were selling wine or sneakers or trading cards. But this is healthcare. What's the difference? Most people don't want healthcare. I don't know anyone who says, Alexa, add a colonoscopy to my shopping list. I can promise that consumers don't think, act, or buy in the same way as before the pandemic. So let's not approach branding or brand engagement in the same way anymore either. Focus on consistency. Ask yourself every day, how can you get people to care about what you're doing? Then watch what happens as your brand engagement levels up. I promise you'll like it. And that's the flavor of the Week. Hey, Zane, welcome back. How are you doing? Good. How are you, Jared? I'm hanging in there, man. Some, you know, just happy to be alive, happy to be uh, seeing things continue to trend in the right direction. I really shouldn't complain about anything. Me too. And I'm glad to see the weather is finally breaking up here in Detroit and Windsor. It's been sunny, decently warm. Been getting out and going for a run and inspiring to get, or I've been inspired to work out a little bit more than normal. been a long winter. Yeah, it has. It has. I imagine that is not an uncommon thing for us all to be feeling and experiencing right now. It's just that that desire. I know for sure getting back on a in a routine after this last year has just been crazy from a fitness perspective. Absolutely. So tell you what, let's dive right into this because uh, I'm going to brag on you here for a bit when we talk about the latest awesome thing that's come across our lives. I'm going to brag on you a little bit, Zane, because uh, you were just featured in an article and an interview for eHealthcare Strategy and Trends, and it was part of their Ask the Expert series. And uh, you talked about the digital team's role in vaccinations. And I loved the premise here that you shared that really this chapter of the pandemic is the time for non-clinical teams to shine. Absolutely. And you talked about like all the efforts that are going on in, in places that aren't necessarily making the nightly news or, or whatever, but there are so many efforts going on and there's so much that you've learned, but to talk about it from those who are on the non-clinical administrative side and all the work they're doing, I just thought it was a really cool piece. Thank you. Yeah, it's been um, a really cool piece to do. And you know, to hit off some things in the article, if you really think about the work that's being done right now with vaccine administration, Jared, it's to what I said, it's not a clinical issue. And what I mean by that is delivering a vaccine is not, it's not rocket science, it's not open heart surgery, it's not cancer surgery, it's pretty straightforward. And so the biggest problems that need to be solved are really around patient experience, supply chain, technology, and process improvement. And what I mean technology around scheduling. And so the teams that I've been you know, working with and leading through my day job, the real people who are on deck right now are all those behind the scenes people. And we need to find you know, a highly efficient scheduling process, need to develop highly efficient mass vaccination sites, usually outside of our clinical environment. And then, oh, and I would actually add in communications and marketing to that where we need to get very, very good at explaining know who's eligible, where you can go, you know, here are the guidelines, here's all the information about the different vaccines you can get. Oh, and by the end, you know, and as eligibility changes, being up to date with that. And so again, the biggest problems we have to solve cannot be solved well by physicians or even nurses. It's 
all those other experts that usually stand behind them, it's on them today. And they're the ones that are shining really bright, in my opinion. A really cool theme. I just, it, it's, it's nice because that's one thing that you know, we might not get as much in the spotlight for those efforts that are going on. So yeah, Absolutely. really cool piece there. Yeah. Let's go down this rabbit hole, if you will, for, for talking about aligning marketing data around the patient. What I'm talking about are all the systems that hospitals and health systems now are, uh, are using to track any encounter with the patient. And we talked last week about how this has led to kind of this glut of point solutions where we're managing platforms rather than results. And we have all these silos of expertise. Well, one of those silos has tended to be around any data related to any patient encounter, which is finding a location, scheduling an appointment with a physician, checking out their profile. There are a lot of different platforms that have arisen in the last few years to maybe the last decade. And if we're not careful, they're all just kind of Frankensteined together. And where we learned this the most, really the status quo here that we're talking about, where we've come from, we learned a lot about it over the last year when all of a sudden you had to manually indicate and go back and update every single profile to say, hey, location XYZ is a non-COVID site, but location ABC is a COVID-only site. So the hours of operations have changed. And then we told yep. everyone, hey, stop coming to the, you can't come to the to the office at all. You can't come to the hospital. You can't come. And then, you know, a couple months later, oh, wait, do come. We need you to come. So the frequency of all those updates has kind of accumulated and led us to understand, like, this is a key component of being yep. prepared for what comes next. And, you know, and, and even what we're going through now with, with say, vaccine appointments. So, yep. you know, what, what, what have you been seeing? Probably one of the biggest challenges we ran into at the beginning of the pandemic was realizing that all this stuff on our website, especially, needed to continuously be updated in real time. And so under normal circumstances, it was not always clear what our source of truth was for site locations, time, who was really there, what physicians are actually practicing there, and so on and so forth. And so luckily, prior to the pandemic, you know, some of the teams that I had been working with were getting, were getting that organized, at least in the health systems that I work with. But through the pandemic, that became like one of our biggest challenges that I've saw was, you know, as different guidelines were changing across different states, you know, across different counties and different cities that had different implications for for all your different sites, depending on where they fit in. And so that became very challenging to keep that up to date. And, and it remains to be so. Like, I can't imagine, you know, large, large health systems in the U.S. who are multi-state and super regional who now have to deal with so many different variables depending on local health departments, state guidelines, and then just like regional guidelines, it would be insane. Yeah, from what I understand from those in those roles, uh, it has been insane. To say the least, the thought of, of keeping up with it too and how quickly it it changes. Because then we realize, you know, if we didn't realize it before, that things like something as simple as your Google My Business listing, which is the thing that populates the answer or the snippet when you Google something about, yeah, COVID, you know, vaccinations near me, or even prior to the pandemic, orthopedic surgeon near me, you know, the information that populates from your side or your directory is manually updated unless you have plugged in a locations platform, a data platform to keep that updated. And even there, nothing's automatic. I mean, it was kind of enlightening, you know, recently, you know, with a couple of family members of mine who are looking up something, it wasn't even healthcare related, but they were Googling 
locate to see if a certain business was open. And I'm like, that's only going to be accurate if the people in that business updated their Google, my business listing. Like I kind of had to step off my soapbox and say, you know, that like Google doesn't know that unless somebody manually changes the data. So I know there's so much we can, we can point to, to indicate where we got, you know, how we got where we are now. But I, I think the big thought is, uh, Vaccines are still going to be part of our life for for the foreseeable future, which is a great thing. I, yeah, yeah. we'd all much rather be in that position. But there are some some ways to innovate, and maybe that's a place like a starting point for us to think about how do we align all this data around the patient. Well, there's our perfect use case. So, Zaina, and anything that you've seen or heard or been part of recently that can help us be better aligned around the patient right now. Yeah, so I think, you know, one thing, and this is not a sexy recommendation, but like I alluded to earlier, one thing that I've seen health systems do is they've been creating these source of truth teams where there's one person or or a handful of people within their institution whose job it is to get down the source of truth for location, sites, hours, both on the location side, but then also on the provider side. So like who is credentialed, you know, within this health system, you know, what are their credentials, so on and so forth, where do they practice? And so owning that data or owning that source of truth and then making sure that it connects to the appropriate platforms, to me, that's probably the way to innovate here and the best practice. Nice, nice. Well, I think you're right. And when you talk about the source of truth, you know, what happens when the source of truth isn't truth? Yeah. You know, it's, that yeah. might be the biggest problem here. And, you know, I, it's always funny to look back and think when, when people, when A, people didn't know what the source of truth is, so they were yeah. looking somewhere else. Yeah. B, it wasn't updated. C, it wasn't integrated correctly. It wasn't dispersed and distributed to all the places it needed to go. So that all those things answer the question, like when a physician comes and says, why isn't my profile up to date? Yeah. Yeah. And you're like, okay, you know, well, let's... That's- Let's give you the benefit of the doubt and suppose that, you know, you actually did update it. Sometimes we'd find that, well, they updated it and they saved it. Well, they hit a save button, but the platform itself didn't actually save it everywhere or new credentialing information came through that superseded it, but those rules weren't written down. So nobody knew that it was superseded when they're looking on the back end, it still looked like it was up to date. And, and so now... There are so many questions uh, for people that are just frustrating to everybody. They're like, I just saw this happen automatically. Yeah. Yeah. I think, you know, unfortunately, I think in, especially in operations and in operations leadership, they don't realize where things come from and, and how important it is to keep some of those databases up to date. So one recommendation I would have is for operations leaders to really, you know, spend some time in the same way that they would review their financials every quarter to spend time reviewing, you know, their their respective information that's related to them on their web, on a website or on whichever, you know, app your health system has a part of it. Make sure that that's up to date. Make sure your providers are on there. Make sure your times, your locations, make sure the service is accurately being written about in the same way that you would do that if it was your own business. I think operational leaders need to take total accountability for that and then work with their respective marketing and digital teams to see to it that it gets updated. Well, I'm glad you brought the operational aspect of it in in here because you're right. It's just one of those layers that until it's broken, nobody realizes what's happening there. And so just to have that in front of you, that's a great way to, to attack this is to have an audit on the books on a regular basis 
monthly, bi-monthly, quarterly, and twice a year, whatever. I mean, in in these uh, quote-unquote unprecedented times, yeah, you know, right. it, it might uh, might make sense to do a little more frequently. Like every week, <laughs> every other week. Right, it's literally having somebody, you know, do their QA, doing clicks through and and just verifying. I mean, it's, yeah. it is tedious, but if that's a piece that's keeping everything from being aligned, then let's figure out how to work that in. Yeah. And you know, another thing that comes to mind, especially when you talk about source of truth, and this might be a slight departure from our topic today, but I've been following in the news, all the updates related to these, you know, this notion of vaccine passports. And I really think that's going to be the next big thing. There's a number of groups out there, actually groups all around the world that are chasing this. And basically what they're trying to do is being able to issue what they call a digital credential that validates that you receive either testing, COVID-19 testing, and or a vaccination from a reputable provider. And then potentially that credential is then loaded into a passport, which is more colloquially known, that could potentially grant you privileges to either travel or go to a concert or depending on what the community or the business elects to do. And so to me, that's going to be a big thing. So I try not to build get political here because I know I know the idea of vaccine passports gives some people the chills and right and I think there's legitimate reasons for it. But the underlying issue under there that needs to be solved is how do we ensure that whatever ends up in these passports is a legitimate credential, meaning it came from the test was issued, completed and issued by, or the vaccine was delivered and issued by a true provider and not some Mickey Mouse, you know, janky provider or, or, or the credential is counterfeit. And so I see that as the next big thing that over the next six months, you'll see a lot of people trying to solve for. I love the thought and I haven't heard, you know, a whole lot about them, but, but I think in theory that makes a lot of sense. And it, it actually has everything to do with what we were just talking about yeah. in terms of that. That's probably the most recent use case or example of, of why this is all important because there's going to have to be a source of truth uh, for anything like that yeah. for, for the credential that gets pulled into a passport and, and whatever the vehicle is for that, it has to, it has to come from somewhere. Yeah. And, and that's just the, the piece that does, it just tends to get neglected. Yeah. I mean, one of the challenges we have right now is most people are walking around with a paper card that's issued and branded by the CDC that was completed by whoever gave you the vaccine, which works for, you know, a few weeks until you lose it or spill coffee on it. Some states, that record gets uploaded into a state registry. However, it's not always easy or it's not always approachable by a, a patient. So how would you would you know how to go to your state registry and release that credential or get proof of your vaccination to show maybe an airline? Probably not. And so that's sort of the thinking behind the notion of these vac- vaccine passports is, you know, how do we eat? create a very approachable, easy way for people to to elect to show their vaccination or testing status. And that's sort of the crux of it. And as you can imagine, there's a lot of integrations that need to be done there between the passport itself, potentially between the EMR that a provider system who gave you either a test or a vaccine uses, and then also potentially between the state level, if there is one registry around immunizations. And so um, luckily, there's some techie, smart people that are solving for that, and it's not me. <laughs> 
So I wonder if it'll be like a, a rite of passage to get your, your vaccine passport stamped in certain locations, you know, when that like a yeah. regular passport, that'd be pretty cool. Maybe, or I mean, my provider, the provider that I go to uses the Epic electronic medical record system. So I have a, a call it an immutable record of my vaccination, you know, on the CDC card, but also within my patient portal. So I'm covered. But what I hope happens is that electronic medical record provider has an integration with, with, with whatever these passports might become. So I can just link them in some way in the same way that I can link Epic to Apple Health. And I think Fitbit now links to Epic. I would hope that whatever that tool is that comes out that may or may not be required, that it connects so that I don't have to do some sort of separate thing. You would hope that's part of the process. And I guess when I look at what's a call to action here involved in this, what's a tactical step that a leader can take, I'd say planning that very part, the operational aspect, yep. as well as the, the data aspect. What's this going to look like? What could that vehicle be? Even just do some scenario planning right now. Like, what are your options? Like, being the last thing we want to do is be caught off guard by anything that's going on still with the pandemic. That's at the end of the day going to take us away from more important things that we're trying to do to keep people safe. So, you know, having the plan in place, starting to starting these conversations could be very well that first tactical step we need to take. Absolutely, and agree with you that like get really clear on your sources of truth and that's not a tech issue by the way it's it's a like write it down and have an internal process to be managing all this and frankly i mean if the pandemic you know push people into this field that's good because it's going to be needed for the future and the more we can align around sources of truth around all this stuff the better the patient experience will be under normal times so i i see it all as a welcome benefit indeed indeed i love uh, being able to ratchet it all back up to improving the experience here zane you're giving us a lot to think about again noticing a pattern here. I always leave the conversation better than when I came into it because of the insights you're sharing and just the the way you're getting us to think differently. So uh, thanks again for that. Oh, thanks, Jared. I really appreciate chatting with you all the time. And it helps me think things through, you know, like just to put it out there and to talk about it with somebody in an audience. And we certainly get a lot of a lot of comments on social media and into our email inboxes. So I feel like we're hitting on things that people might have been thinking or feeling, but have not necessarily found a way to vocalize or frankly might be afraid and feel like they're the only ones. And so I hope we can make people realize that they're actually part of a larger community and let's be bold and honest and tell the truth and help switch, turn this industry where it needs to go. Hey, this is Scott Burgess from Healthcare 360, the fair and balanced healthcare podcast exploring everything you wish you knew about healthcare, but don't. Join us weekly in an open, transparent conversation with some of the biggest names in the healthcare business surrounding this one question and one question only. Had you known there were other options to exhaust and explore before you travel down the traditional healthcare route, how would you weigh those options against what you think healthcare and medicine really is? For more information about Healthcare 360 and how together we can help transform lives, visit scotteburgess.com, subscribe to our YouTube channel, or follow us anywhere you enjoy listening. See you there. So check this out, y'all. We've got Jackie Martin in the house. Uh, Jackie's the founder and principal at Branch Strategy, where she helps align healthcare organizations around the patient. Alignment is going to be this keyword. I think we're going to come back to a lot in this, in this episode, but I want to welcome her first and foremost. Jackie, how are you doing today? I'm doing pretty good. Thanks, Jared. Appreciate you having me on. I recall you mentioning that the weather up in your area of the country was pretty perfect this last weekend. So uh, tell me about that. You're in the North Texas area. North Texas, yeah. So we, I call it um, Texas winter is summer. 
because it is really hot and miserable. And so our nice months are the the non-summer months. And so we are in spring and it is beautiful and we are dreading the hot season coming. So we're we're enjoying it as much as we can now. Yeah, I got to take it in while you can. And I can say that having lived in Mm -hmm. that area of the country for almost nine years uh, before moving out to the, the desert, which the desert is gorgeous this time of year, by the way, too. And people get sick of me hearing that because in about three months from now, they're going to be like, ha ha, you know, and so we just switch it. (laughs) Yeah. Just dish it out while I can, but yeah, it's always a lot of fun. In fact, uh, my family and I happened to be out in your neck of the woods this last week. And, uh, uh, we saw what you were talking about. It was probably just right the first couple of days. And then we had one of those, uh, I was hoping my family got to experience, you know, one of those just good old Texas thunderstorms, which we did. Oh yeah. And, uh, like, this is what it's like. Rain actually makes noise. And, you know, you can tell, I mean, in, in, in Phoenix, it's kind of interesting. Usually when it's raining, you can't even tell what's going on unless it's monsoon season. And then still it's usually pretty quick, but no, this thing lasted like all night, like that, yeah, that whole night. They're intense. My first one, when I came here for college, I, it was terrifying to drive in a Texas thunderstorm is quite an experience because they are so loud. Yeah. It's, there's no question what's happening. So <laughs> it's, it's pretty crazy. Well, goodness, uh, Tell me about something awesome that's been that you've come across or heard about. Let, let's get this going that way. Anything it doesn't have to be healthcare related. Well, there was a really great article I ran across over the weekend from Rand Fishkin, who was the founder of Moz, and then has now founded Spark Toro. Really interesting. His research data is showing about two thirds of Google searches are no click searches. So it's folks, especially high on mobile folks that are coming to Google and on staying on Google. And of course, he makes the case that Google likes it that way, uh, has been optimizing to keep them on Google. But I think it just presents a whole other, right? This is like one of the things that we have to deal with as healthcare marketers. It's just one more thing to work through and to tackle, but that is not necessarily good news for a lot of healthcare systems. Uh, We struggle to get results, to get meaningful results, to have our SEO pushed towards our goals. And so I think this is just one more thing to be aware of as uh, trying to navigate the solution for that. That's really interesting. So I I bet it was probably 2019 when Rand Fishkin first kind of put out a a big post about zero click, just overcoming the threshold of like 50%. It it was like 51% back then. So to hear now it's two thirds, that's quite telling. That's not that much time to have elapsed either no. for that to happen. No, and we saw a slight a slight dip uh, last year in, in looking at his data, which they think was just being on desktop more because of the pandemic. But then now as things are opening back up, we're going to go back to a lot of the mobile first searches. And of course, that just really changes user behavior. It's a really interesting data set as we're trying to prioritize and navigate and you know figure out what our goals are going to be as we come out of COVID and, and trying to hit onto other things. That's a really interesting way to think about it in terms of how this could impact our goals. So I'm guessing you, you know if, if you're talking about if your goals are get more clicks, mm-hmm. more patient acquisition directly from organic results, which is always going to be part of your strategy, but it sounds like just the the makeup, the mix, the amount of where people are coming from to recognize how much that's changing is, is got to be part of our strategy. Yeah, because if you have, for example, like, oh, we want to hit, you know, 1 million organic site visits a month, you know, something really aggressive and where we make a considerable investment to, to hit on that. But then we optimized our content well, where we are capturing snippets, where we are providing answer answers to questions and we're ranking for it, but folks don't actually have to click for that answer. Well, how do we measure that? 
and what does that mean? And so a lot of times I think tactics and, and goals are a bit outdated. And so it's really hard though to convince that because convince our you know C-suite of that because we have to really make sure that we are hitting our goals and metrics and doing our job. But if the rules are changing on Google, that obviously is going to impact our ability to measure effectively what we're doing and what is working and what is not. So there's huge implications as search moves into a totally different output. And then what does that look like for voice? There's just so many things here. So I think it's a a really interesting data set that needs to be talked about this week with internally to see how this is going to shift goals this year and next year. Yeah. And I really like when, again, you keep coming back to kind of like aligning all these different parts. We're talking about the the strategic side of it, but we're also talking about like the data side of what you, what you are strategizing about. I think you and I have <laughs> joked in the past of like the word strategy, how kind of invisible of a term that, you know, that is, it can mean all sorts of things and it can mean nothing. But the fact is someone has to figure out where all the data about a health care organization lives, all the places that you can access it. And so zero click does does play a part of that. Uh, let, let's talk about kind of like what the what the status quo is right now. If we're talking about just all the data about your organization that's out there in any kind of digital footprint, it's available online somewhere. I think that's what we've still tended to underestimate the complexity of it. And then we kind of came back here, you know, sometime in the last couple of few years and we're like, oh, we are not driving people to the places we want to or just not in the ways we expected. What's the status quo? Like what's the typical thing you see right now with an organization as far as all the data that they're trying to manage online? We know things exist in silos and I, that this is no exception. We tend to put, we may outsource like find a doctor, for example, we may outsource our online listings management. So our location data uh, is going to be out, typically outsourced. And so just even looking at these two separate things, that locations listings are going to appear on Google, but those locations also have to be on find a doctor. But if they're with two different vendors, that's either managed through significant amount of overhead and internal management to make sure that they're in sync or they are just completely disconnected. So there is no way to see an accurate listing of where does this physician practice or what are all of our locations. And so just in those two examples, we'll typically see a disconnect there on the data side, which then makes it really difficult for us to have any internal reporting that's helpful or that makes sense. And then even worse, we can provide contradictory information to our patients who are actually trying to physically show up at a location. And so that's just a small micro set of how things typically function from a status quo, because at the end of the day, we need to say, hey, our uh, location data is out there. Check. All right, now I'm going to move on to this, you know, other 500 things that I have to do. So it's really easy to find ourselves into a very fragmented solution because we have so many things that we're trying to manage at one time. And so we're going to outsource that piece, but actually that outsource ends up creating headaches for us down the road because it is disconnected from everything else that we're doing. And so it's very difficult for us to climb out of that once it's been, as we all know, once you sign on the dotted line with a vendor agreement and now your data is all loaded, it's really, really difficult. And it's an entire project on its own to climb out of that hole. So we just kind of create this environment and it just looks like that kind of across the board. What's limiting us from from solving this? What are the limitations right now? Is it because 
this grew up so fast and that we're trying to solve so many things all at once. We're trying to manage data in so many places. Is it because there, there wasn't like one, one vendor that everyone went to at one point, like what kind of like historically, what would have been the challenges to aligning our data about our organizations? I think it's people. I mean, at the end of the day we have, it's a people problem. And I think that the people problem exists in a couple places. We have physicians, that bring their own their own complexities right to some of these issues, some legacy issues that tend to exist there. We have departments inside our organizations where we don't want to shift how we do it because if I'm in charge of CRM or I'm in charge of IT or whatever my piece is, all I'm going to do is resist change because it might hit me on my desire to still have a job. You know, I think a lot of people always see change. There's this connection. Well, yeah, but but if we were to unify our data, where does my database go? Where, you know, that's what my team does. And I've got five people and, you know, they just, you know, my other guy, he just had a kid. And what does that mean for his family? And so we kind of go through this human side of wanting to survive. And so we oppose that change. And so we'll get that pushback internally in organizations where it's very difficult to get them on board because they just don't know what that means for them personally. They don't understand where they fit into into this change. So I think we've got humans on the physician side, we've got humans internally in our structure, and then we have like patients who one client one time, this entire initiative was launched because a retired veteran wrote a complaint letter to the CEO of the hospital system. Therefore, everyone's priorities had to change because now all of a sudden the CEO is like, you know, emboldened, right? Because of this one guy's letter. And so everyone's strategy changed because of that. And so you're just like, there's this human issue that really prevents us from doing it. Because I think most people, if we were to say, what would this look like if you had an unlimited budget and you could set it up tomorrow? What would healthcare at your hospital system look like? And we would draw something completely different than it is right now. But the reality is, is we have people that are preventing that from happening. And a lot of these people, it's not that they're trying to prevent it. It's just that they have their own different interests or they don't understand the full picture or, you know, whatever it is. And it's just preventing us from like really putting it together in the way that we know it needs to be done. And therefore everything continues to be broken. Yeah. I, I kind of think of it in, in terms of managing, we've had like this decade in MarTech in healthcare on the digital side, where we've had to spend this this whole last decade learning different types of platforms and understanding what data even comes out of these marketing platforms. And the only thing in common with a lot of them is the fact that it's a digital platform or a digital channel. And I'm talking everything like from, from running your, your social media organic and, and paid ads to your SEO, SEM, and all the parts of your digital marketing strategy. This has been one of those that, that didn't necessarily fall under the ROI, advertising, revenue building, you know, and so to me, it felt like it just kind of slipped under the radar. And so when we've, one thing COVID kind of has manifested to me is that we are starting to come out of this, this decade of, okay, just hire somebody to, to learn Salesforce, just hire somebody to learn yeah, you know, or reputation.com or whatever, just hire somebody to manage a platform. And what we have is kind of like these silos of expertise now with each platform and the connective tissue that to actually align each of those pieces didn't necessarily happen either as quickly as bringing on people just to manage a new platform. 
So I feel like now right. we're in this this time period where we have to learn how to manage results. And so I guess to kind of steer this into the the thought of like where are the opportunities for innovation? One thought I've I, I've just been uh, latching onto lately is is this idea of the mindset shift. You're talking about people being at the crux of all of this. The mindset shift has to change from managing platforms to managing results. And we have yes. to do that as a team, you know, like, you know, a, a football analogy, because, hey, you know, uh, we were just talking about Texas, so we got to talk about football, right? So, you know, a football analogy, you know, if you're a defensive end and you are the best defensive end ever, if that's all you care about, great. But you got to understand how you how you are part of the backfield, how you are part of ultimately part of the team. There are stats associated with your performance but you have to understand how that impacts someone else when you miss an assignment and when anything else that happens in your universe, how it connects with other people. And the thought of having these areas of expertise, we've kind of done it to ourselves. And, and like you said, you know, no, no one wakes up thinking, hey, how can I not communicate with people? How can I make things more complicated? But that's kind of what we've done over time. And that, yeah. that's the challenge here. So we get so defensive about it. And, but again, that's not the intention. So the trick is how do we kind of like break that cycle? And I think you're right. There's a mind shift change that has to happen. There has to be something there that kind of unifies us instead of kind of keeps everybody apart. Yeah, walk us through that because I, I, I like how everything kind of about the status quo had to do with, you, you could tie it to a human element. So if we, if we talk about the human element, of how we can make things better, how we can innovate here. Uh, what, yep. what, what, any thoughts that come to mind there? Well, one thing that's really interesting to me about healthcare and people that work in healthcare is at the end of the day, we are all recipients also. We're all patients. And I think that it is a very human thing to kind of hold on and to want to protect ourselves, right? And protect our ability to survive with our job. But it's also very human to know that you know, death is inevitable for every single person. So I think that that is something that is important for everybody, which is when I'm sick or when somebody that I love is sick, are they getting what they need? You know, and if I am helping a parent navigate something, if I myself am navigating something, if a child, if somebody, you know, a friend, are they able to find what they need? And unfortunately, a lot of what we offer and what we have built has been broken and we, we know it, but it's not really until we have to start to navigate it ourselves or walk with somebody through it that we really see its brokenness. A client of mine had his mom pass away uh, due to COVID. You know, he's like, I've been in healthcare for a long time and this was, it's totally different, right? All of a sudden we may be on the communication side of a crisis, but when we're actually walking through it as an individual everything changes. And we all have those situations. I love to post on LinkedIn about like my own personal navigating either my kids or my own healthcare stuff, because it's just sometimes laughable how ridiculous it is to do something like register online for urgent care, just to come in and fill out that paperwork as soon as I show up. I mean, that's just, it's, it's insane. And so we have this to me idea of, can we shift it to where can all agree that we want to make it easier for our patients or prospective patients to find the care that they need. Because that's really our job. That's our job as marketers is to say, we offered these things, you need these things, and let's connect you. That's what we're trying to do. That's what the data is trying to do. That's what all these solutions are trying to do. CRM, find a doctor, social media, like insert whatever it is. It's really as simple, as simple as it goes. So you have care, 
and patients who need it. And we're trying to connect it. So if we can shift to say, okay, here is a meeting that typically gets heated because we're talking about current CRM functionality and we're trying to prioritize what gets in the sprint, right? It's a very real meeting. And we kick it off by talking about the patient. And then we make our decisions about the patient. And so it doesn't mean that you're necessarily going to win or lose, you know, versus your counterpart in a different department. But at the end of the day, at least you're aligned with one thing that we can agree on, which is that we're just trying to connect patients to care. That's why we're here. That's what we do. And so can we use that to rather, instead of finding things that we don't agree with, can we use that to find the things that we do agree with? And it's a total mind shift change but it's a very effective one in terms of how to actually create real change in very, very complex healthcare organizations. Well, I like the way you just kind of sit right through that complexity. You just kind of steered right through it and said, if we can focus on the thing that we can all agree on why we're here, then we can improve our alignment around what we're doing. And we can at least have those conversations without being defensive, at least as much, like like you were saying. Uh, We've all been in those meetings where everyone is, is... thoughtful of, yeah, that's probably a good idea. That's probably a thing that makes sense, but how does that affect me? And so being aware of the the human side of all of this is important. Being aware of, at the end of the day, we're designing an experience to connect people with care. I love that. Like out of everything, that should be the thing that we can draw a line to every day of what we're doing. Okay. Hey, if, if we do complete this sprint, in time, you know, these features will make it easier to do that. I love just that thought. If, I think we've all seen just the effects of when that part of that type of thinking is not part of the day-to-day block and tackling of what we're doing. And then we wonder sometimes, like, why why didn't we get to the destination we wanted to or expected to? So just really good things for us to to think about and be aware of in our in our day-to-day operations, because this this is very much, this is marketing, it's operations, it, it's digital, it's strategic. And out of everything, you know, when I keep taking a couple steps back and saying like, hey, what, what has COVID done to us? What has it done for the digital side specifically of healthcare? And I keep seeing opportunities to have more alignment. So that's another reason I'm really glad we got to have you on the program today, uh, Jackie. As, uh, as we start to wind down here, I want to give you a chance to, to give us a call to action. And it could just be like one, one tactical step that we can put in front of leaders and say, hey, here's one thing you can start doing. Here's one step you can start taking down that road to improve what's going on. What, and any thoughts there on, in terms of call to action? Yeah, I think that narrative is really important because like we've been talking about, it's a mind shift change. But what makes narrative really powerful is when we write it down. And I think we can get, so we try to get to things so quickly that we forget that point. And so the next initiative, the next meeting somebody has, it's really great to reframe it in a way that, again, pushes it back to what's best for the patient because it makes us all like hate our jobs less when, you know, you go to work and you can feel good about what you're doing instead of being so frustrated about what's going on, especially marketing, because they're kind of at the crossroads of all these really competing priorities. And so walking into that meeting with a one paragraph narrative that talks about, we don't ever want to talk about like positive patient outcomes, right? That's not what being patient first is about, but it's really about 
Kathy, who is 65 and needs a, a knee knee surgery, that now she's going to be able to, you know, go to Six Flags with her grandkids next year because she can actually walk around. That is a patient first mind shift, uh, mind shift where we can say, look, our goal with this is to help them meet whatever goals that they have in their life, not our goals, their goals. And how is, how is this Brent going to impact them? And we just break it down into this basic narrative, this couple sentences that, hey, now that they're going to be able to better access their my chart by this button color, right? Because our UX research showed that they can't ever find it. Like that may be so insignificant, but when you put it onto a patient to say that now somebody's going to be able to access their information more quickly, something insignificant can now become about the patient. And it's just about shifting it. Like, and it allows marketing, IT, patient experience, like everybody to sit there and say, what I'm doing matters. This is important. I am trying to put the patient first and it's going to slowly shift our organization to, you know, look at things much differently. And so just writing a couple sentences and saying, Hey guys, this is why this matters to our end patient. And that's such a game changer for most organizations. A great way to, to think about this. I, I love the thought of how how that can play a role. And it's not that we're not adjective to the complexity. We're actually making it a little easier just by writing that down. A great, great thought here. Jackie, what's the best way for people to connect with you and reach you if they want, if they have further questions, they just want to connect with you? I'm super active on LinkedIn. I love just learning from folks. So you can find me there, uh, Jackie Martin or branchstrategy.com is my consultancy. And so I'd love to connect with you and you know, really be able to kind of dive in exactly what either problems folks are looking to solve and then how shifting, helping to shift them to this patient first approach might positively impact 2021 and, and beyond. Fantastic. Thanks so much. Thanks for giving us a few minutes today. Thanks, Jared. So many vendors, so little time. Expecting me to know them all is practically a crime, but it's what my job's about. Yeah. It makes me want to shout. Yeah. I need some help deciding who to use without a doubt. Something everyone wants. Like a secret decoder. Something everyone needs. Like your own baby Yoda. Help me to choose. I can't afford to lose. Isn't there a website that I really ought to use? Martech.health. Martech.health. Do yourself a favor, check it out for yourself. Need to find a vendor? This is the way. Martech.health. Who you gonna pick today? Martech.health is the vendor directory built specifically for healthcare marketing, communications, and digital professionals. People like you. Founded and run by the OG himself, Healthcare Internet Hall of Famer, Ed Bennett. It's designed to make your next vendor selection process less painful. And here's why. Over 600 vendors across 40 industry categories, verified vendor reviews and ratings from your peers, a resource library of articles, videos, and events, plus an anonymous messaging tool to get your vendor questions answered without worrying about endless callbacks. All of this is free to use and share. Check it out at martech.health. Thanks to Jackie and Zane, and thank you for listening. We hope you found some value in this conversation, and if you did, please subscribe and tell your friends and colleagues about this podcast. Healthcare App is a member of the Shift.Health content network. Folks, you're going to want to go check out Shift.Health. We have 24 podcasts and seven video series. We're adding more every single month. It's all about shifting the way that healthcare is experienced, so you're going to want to go check those out. It's all free. Until next time, keep marketing forward. Thanks, and that's a wrap. 